Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Songs and Stories podcast. Probably a little bit of a different one this week as far as songs go, but episode 7 is Auron Levine. So the national anthem called The Soldier's Song or Auron Levine was written by Pat Carney either early in 1910 or late in 1909, according to an affidavit signed by him in 1926. The music by Patrick Heaney is understood to have been composed around the same time. The original English text of The Soldier's Song was first published in the Bulmer Hobson's Irish Freedom newspaper in 1912. The Soldier Song was not widely known until it was sung at the GPO during the Easter Rising of 1916. Liam Ring or Liam O'Rin was responsible for its first translation into Irish late in 1916 and it was published in the Army magazine on Toglock on the 3rd of November 1923. On the 12th of July 1926, the Executive Council of the Irish Free State decided to adopt the music of the Soldier Song or Elrond Levine as the official national anthem. All three men responsible for the national anthem, Pat Carney, Patrick Heaney and Liam Ring, were from Dublin's north inner city and all lived within 200 yards of each other. The song has three verses, but only one of them is used for the national anthem. So a soldier's song composed around 1910 with the words by Pat Carney and music by his childhood friend and neighbour, Patrick Heaney, had both collaborated on songs since 1903. Heaney composed it with his melodion, and Sean Rogan, later of the Irish Citizen Army, may also have helped with the music, and first wrote it in musical notation. Carney wrote the majority of the text in the Swiss Café at the corner of O'Connell Street and North Dale Street. Its first draft, which was handwritten on copybook paper, sold at auction in Dublin back in 2006 for €760,000. After being rejected by the United Irishman, Bulmer Hobson's magazine, Irish Freedom, published the text in 1912. Whelan and Son of Ormond Quay in Dublin published the lyrics for sale as a fly sheet and it was used as a marching song by the Irish volunteers and a man by the name of Seamus Hughes first sang it in public at a volunteer fundraising concert. It was also sung by the rebels in the GPO, the General Post Office, during the Easter Rising in 1916. Its popularity increased among rebels held in Frongok internment camp after the Rising. The sheet music was first published in late 1916 by Whelan and Son in an arrangement by Cahill MacDougall. 
In December 1916 in New York City, Victor Herbert published his own piano and orchestral arrangements under the title Soldiers of Erin, the rallying song of the Irish Volunteers, on the instigation of R.F. O'Reilly, an Irish priest. O'Reilly arranged for the proceeds to go to the Gaelic League, but paid royalties to Kearney and Heaney once he discovered they were the authors. With later checks from the US, Kearney earned not much more than £100. The song's first commercial recording was made in New York City in early 1917 by George Potter and commissioned by Ellen Bourne DeWitt, a prominent Irish-American businesswoman. By 1917, according to Seamus Robinson, the song was being parodied by British soldiers in Ireland. Eamon de Valera's platform at the June 1917 East Clare by-election featured a large banner with the opening two lines of the song. That October, the Irish Volunteers allied with Sinn Féin under de Valera and during the Irish War of Independence, the Volunteers evolved into the Irish Republican Army, the IRA. The song's popularity led to it being called the Sinn Féin Anthem. Copies were confiscated by the British security forces as seditious. Carl Hardebeck played it unannounced on Low Sunday 1918 in St Peter's Cathedral in Belfast. Victor Herbert's version was well known to Irish Americans by 1919 when De Valera arrived as President of Dáil Éireann, the self-proclaimed Irish Republic. In the 1922-1923 Civil War, the IRA split into the National Army of the Free State and the so-called Irregulars, loyal to the defunct Republic. Both sides continued to sing the soldier song. After the war, it remained popular as an army tune and was played at many military functions. The Irish National Anthem played on RTE during the 1960s. The Free State did not initially adopt any official state anthem. The delicate political state in the aftermath of the Civil War provoked a desire to avoid controversy. Ex-Unionists continued to regard God Save the King as the National Anthem, as it had been for the rest of the British Empire. For nationalists, the fact that the soldier song described Irishmen fighting a foreign foe allowed it to overlook the painful memory of the Civil War. W.T. Cosgrave, President of the Executive Council from 1922 to 1932, avoided explicitly making it the national anthem for fear of exacerbating the antipathy for the free state held by Unionists in Northern Ireland. On the other hand, the government did not want to disassociate the state from the anthem for fear of leaving a potent symbol available for its Republican opponents to claim. This is very similar to the status and symbolism of the Irish tricolour, but that's probably another conversation in itself. The Soldier Song was widely, even if unofficially, sung by nationalists. Public perception that it was officially recognised sprang from a concert on the 3rd of February 1924 at the Theatre Royal in Dublin by the Army Music School under its German-born director, Colonel Fritz Brass. An encore to the concert, Brass conducted the Irish March No. 1, his medley of Irish patriotic airs, which ended with that of the soldier song. Most dignitaries present stood up at this point, including the Governor-General, Tim Healy, Cosgrave and most of the Executive Council. On April 28, 1924, Cosgrave expressed opposition to replacing the soldier song, which was provisionally used within the state. Sean Lester, publicist at the Department of External Affairs, considered the soldier song to be hardly suitable in words or music, but favoured the music, though not the words. This was used as the anthem for the state at the 1924 Olympics in Paris, 
and other events abroad for the next two years. The Dublin Evening Mail held contests in 1924 and 1925 to find verses for a new anthem. The first produced no sufficiently good entries, and the second's winning entry was very soon forgotten. There was concern that the lack of an official anthem was giving Unionists an opportunity to persist with God Save the King. Ewan Morris wrote that while some, perhaps many, nationalists undoubtedly disliked the soldier's song, few would have objected to it so strongly as to refuse to honour it as the national anthem. But for ex-Unionists, the soldier's song remained anathema and God Save the King continued to be the national anthem that they honoured. By 1926, foreign diplomats' protocol officers were requesting copies of the anthem score. On 12 July 1926, the Executive Council decided to adopt it as the national anthem, with Cosgrave the driving force in the decision. He wrote to Leicester saying that there must be uniformity in regard to the national anthem, and that for the present, the soldier's song is to be used for this purpose both at home and abroad. The decision was not publicised. On June 20, 1926, Osmond Esmond asked President Cosgrave what the national anthem was, but the Keown Corla at the time, Michael Hayes, ruled, if the deputy desires to investigate any problem in regard to the national anthem, he cannot ask a question of the president. The president cannot be asked to define what is the national anthem. It is not part of his functions. Esmond instead asked Minister for Defence Peter Hughes what, as far as the army is concerned, was the national anthem. The draft response provided for Hughes stated that, while no final decision has been come to, the soldier song was at present accepted as the national anthem. However, this wording was vetoed by Cosgrave, and in the Dáil Chamber, Hughes responded simply, the soldier song. In 1928, the army band established the practice of playing only the chorus of the song as the anthem, because the longer version was discouraging audiences from singing along. Also, in 1928, Chief Justice Hugh Kennedy, returning from an official trip to North America, reported that an official arrangement of the music was very badly needed for circulation abroad, and this was produced in 1929 by Fritz Brass. This consisted only of the chorus and was published under the title The Soldier's Song rather than A Soldier's Song, although variants such as simply Soldier's Song continued to occur in later official documentation. The National Anthem was played at Close Down by Radio Aaron from its inception in 1926. The Catholic Truth Society of Ireland included it in a 1929 publication commemorating the centenary of the Roman Catholic Relief Act of 1829. Cinemas and theatres played the anthem when closing from 1932 up to 1972. Pat Carney, who had received royalties from sheet music publishers, issued legal proceedings for royalties from those now performing the anthem. He was joined by Michael Heaney, brother of Patrick Heaney, who had died in 1911. In 1934, the Department of Finance acquired the copyright of the song for the sum of £1,200, £980 to the copyright holders plus £220 in expenses. Copyright law changed in the 1950s in such a way that the government had to reacquire the copyright in 1965 for another £2,500. Ruth Sherry states that it's unclear whether the official anthem is the music alone or the text as well. However, the official 1934 estimate of the amount required for the acquisition by the state of copyright in the national anthem includes the line item, payments to the holders of copyright in the words and the music of the soldier's song.
Well, the state held the copyright, most requests for publication were accepted, although several of a purely commercial nature, such as its use in advertisements, were refused. As per EU copyright law, the English lyrics copyright expired on the 1st of January 2013, following the 70th anniversary of Carney's death. In 2016, three Fianna Fáil senators introduced a private member's bill intended to restore the state's copyright in the anthem. The ending of the copyright also encouraged the Shannon to announce a public consultation on the anthem. The Governor-General of the Irish Free State was the King's representative and, as such, Unionists considered that the appropriate official salute to play was God Save the King rather than the Free State Anthem. At James McNeill's 1928 inauguration, the Army Band played the Soldier Song, but that summer, at two events with Unionist organisers, he was greeted by God Save the King. The Executive Council advised him that in future, the Free State Anthem must be played. McNeill declined a June 1929 invitation to the Trinity College Sports Day when the college insisted that the British Anthem was its tradition. Unionists and people in Great Britain took this as a snub, while for Republican commentators it encapsulated the Free State's attempts to suppress the truth about its subservience to Britain. A compromise adopted in 1931 was that the soldier song would mark the Governor-General's arrival and he would leave before the end of the sports, when God Save the King would be played. Following the 1932 general election, Eamon de Valera became President of the Executive Council. As part of his campaign to abolish the office of the Governor-General, he forbid the army from playing the soldier song in McNeil's presence. The first ceremonial regulations for the Irish Defence Forces, drawn up in 1926, provided that the official presidential salute for the President of the Executive Council would be the first and last eight bars of the National Anthem. In 1937, Constitution renamed the Head of Government Taoiseach and introduced the Office of the President of Ireland. The presidential salute has since 1937 been used for the President of Ireland who, as Head of State, takes precedence over the Taoiseach. The Taoiseach salute is more Cluna, an old Irish heir to which Osborne Bergen said Euron Docus, which in the 1930s was often suggested as a replacement to the National Anthem. The presidential salute, now played when the President of Ireland arrives at an official engagement, consists of the first four bars of the National Anthem, immediately followed by the last five. Here it is. <laughs> The Irish translation was written by Liam O'Rin, later the chief translator of the Oireachtas, who was involved in the Irish versions of both the 1922 constitution and the 1937 constitution. Although Sherry says that the Irish version was first published in Antoglock, the magazine of the Irish Defence Forces, on the 3rd of November 1923, an almost identical text was printed in the Freeman's Journal on the 3rd of April 1923 under O'Rin's pen name. Quinnock. It may have been written as early as 1917. Orin's grandson, Niall, claims that Liam started work on the translation while interned in Frongok after the 1916 Rising. Several other translations had been made by 1923, which Orin criticised as unreadable. 
These were in classical Irish, whereas Orin favoured the living vernacular spoken in Gaeltacht areas. On the other hand, Orin's Irish was a second language, which some native speakers found inelegant. Rusk Coha Nanogloch, O'Rahilly's translation, was used by Cunran Aguelga in the early 1920s. In 1924, Porik de Burgos said it deserves more favour than it's received. There were others by Porik McCorrig, Sean Duttig, Seamus McGreena, and Ernest Blythe. From the 1930s, the Gaelic Athletic Association, the GAA, encouraged singing the anthem in Irish at its matches. The text of O'Rin's version was printed in 1933 in Uncommon and in programmes of GAA matches at Crow Park, where the crowd was led via public address system by singers from St. Patrick's College of Education and Cunran Aguelga, led by Sean O'Sheacon. Also in 1933, Eamon O'Neill suggested in the doll that school children should be taught the words both in English and in Irish. In 1935, Charles Bewley, Irish envoy to Germany, requested Irish lyrics because he said that the English text makes a bad impression abroad. Both the English and Irish texts appeared in various editions of Facts About Ireland, published by the Department of Foreign Affairs, and on the official website of the Department of the Taoiseach. However, no Irish version has been officially adopted. The state does not hold the copyright to any Irish version, and O'Rin, unlike Kearney and Heaney's estate, never received royalties. A memorandum in the Department of the Taoiseach on the 5th of April 1958 discussed five distinct Irish translations, noting that O'Rin's was the best known. It suggested that if they were to be officially endorsed, the spelling and grammar should be standardised and the opening words Shana Fianna Fáil changed to Shana Lake Fáil to avoid association with the Fianna Fáil political party. A 2018 Shannon report on the anthem recommended no change to the wording and pointed out that the law would not prevent the new political party adopting revised words like Lake Rafal as its name. The English version has almost been totally eclipsed, and many are unaware that the Irish lyrics are a translation. In 1960, it was remarked that the anthem's effect on Crow Park was impaired by the fact that some people sang in English and others in Irish. In the 21st century, or today, the English version is still sung at home matches of Celtic FC. It was sung in Canada during a state visit by President Mary McAleese in 1998 and at the 2004 Ryder Cup in the United States. The latter prompted objections from Falcher Ireland and the Gaeltacht minister at the time, Eamon O'Quave, called it an outcry from the viewers in Ireland. The 2018 Shannon report suggested that for those not familiar with the Irish language, it may not be appropriate to produce a phonetic version of the national anthem. Some foreign-born Irish international sports people have learned the Irish words via an ad hoc phonetic version. The likes of Mick McCarthy, the Irish football team, player and manager, and CJ Stander of the rugby union team. Since I've already spoken quite a bit about the English version, I'm aware that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with it. So here's the chorus of a soldier's song, Our on the Vein in English. Soldiers are we, whose lives are pledged to Ireland. Song. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. ...was recommended but not required to be taught as part of the civic syllabus in national schools. Fianna Fáil's manifesto in the 2007 general election promised to include the national anthem in the primary school curriculum. As of 2017, the primary school social, personal and health education curriculum includes being aware of the anthem in third or fourth class and respecting it in fifth or sixth class. Richard Bruton, the Minister for Education, stated that it was not departmental policy to impose regulation on schools regarding national expression but that it had supported several initiatives which included the National Anthem. To mark the 2016 centenary of the Easter Rising, members of the Defence Forces visited each national school and presented it with a national flag and copies of the National Anthem as well as the 1916 Proclamation. In 2017, an opinion poll found 82% supported teaching the anthem in school, 40% claimed to know all the words and 40% claimed to know some of them, although I would even say that that's probably disputed. The 2018 Shannon report said that the anthem was indeed currently on the curriculum at primary school level. However, once it has been taught at primary school level, there are little opportunities for students to use the national anthem within the school environment. It said that suggestions to sing the anthem at school every day may not be possible, but that school children could be encouraged to sing it on the likes of the eve of St. Patrick's Day. Although only the chorus from the official national anthem, the music of both verse and chorus has often been played at sports events outside Ireland. The text of the first verse appears, as well as the chorus in the early 1960s editions of the Department of the External Affairs book, Facts About Ireland, and later editions include only the chorus. The song is used by many Irish nationalists as the anthem for the entire island of Ireland. As such, it's played at all GAA matches as mentioned, including those in Northern Ireland and overseas. 
The 2018 Shannon report on the anthem recommended awareness of the anthem among Irish citizens at home and abroad, as well as new citizens of Ireland. It was common in the 20th century, and not unknown today, for a music session in a pub to end at closing time with the playing of the national anthem. A 1961 Evening Herald editorial complained that the anthem was played far too often, and usually in the most undignified manner, and that it should be limited to very special occasions. There is no protocol specified for the anthem. That 2018 report on the anthem recommended adopting one and the Shannon provided a draft. The flag protocol issued by the Department of the Taoiseach states that when the anthem is played in the presence of the national flag, all present should face the flag and stand to attention, and Defence Forces personnel should salute the flag until the last note of the music. History professor Quivine de Barra comments, I don't think I've ever seen anyone salute the flag during Euron Naveen. Certainly, Nobody is standing to attention until the last note of the music, given that we have effectively replaced the last line of the song with collective freestyle screaming and roaring. In 2017, the Shannon Public Consultation Committee invited comments on the most appropriate way the state should treat the national anthem. Its chair, Mark Daly, said that debate around the issue includes aspects of copyright law, cultural tolerance, respect for national symbols, public opinion, free speech and a range of other factors. The committee heard public submissions from selected commentators on the 5th of December 2017. Michael Darcy said that the government favoured guidelines rather than legislation and that penalties for the misuse might prove counterproductive. The committee's report was published in July 2018. It recommended producing an official translation into Irish Sign Language (ISL) and a deaf choir performed an ISL version of the anthem in Leinster House at the report's official launch. In January 2019, Fianna Fáil senators introduced a private member's bill to confirm that the choral refrain, with or without the lyrics of Elrond Naveen, is and continues to be the national anthem. To provide for a version of the national anthem in the Irish Sign Language, and to confirm that the presidential salute is and continues to be the music of the first four bars followed by the last four bars of the national anthem, this bill lapsed on the Dáil's 2020 dissolution. Go back to 1933, the Dáil had a debate on the state's acquisition of the song's copyright. There was discussion of its merits, or lack thereof. Frank McDermott said, leaving out sentiment, I must confess, from both a literary and a musical point of view, I'd regard the soldier song as, shall we say, a jaunty little piece of vulgarity, and I think that we could have done a lot better. Thomas O'Higgins responded, saying that national anthems come about not because of the suitability of the particular words of the notes, but because they're adopted generally by the nation. This is exactly how the soldier song became a national anthem in this country. It happened to be the anthem on the lips of the people when they came into their own, and when the outsiders evacuated the country and left the insiders here to make the best or the worst of the country. It was adopted by the people before it ever was adopted by the Executive Council. In the Irish Independent in 2016, it said it found it difficult to understand how Pater Carney, who was a splendid poet, could have written such a lacklustre piece. Fintan O'Toole called it an Edwardian English music hall jingo. The Irish version is a free translation of the English. In particular, Shane Fianna Fáil is not a literal translation of Soldiers Are We. Fianna Fáil variously translated as Soldiers of Destiny or Warriors of the Fall or Warriors of Destiny, the Irish Army or Soldiers of Ireland. Eamon de Valera regarded the phrase as untranslatability as a virtue. This is from the Irish Fianna, which are bands of warriors, of Fall, a cornerstone, and metaphorically, Ireland. As an Irish name for the Irish Volunteers, it was an alternative to Oglig Naheran, 
The initials FF appeared on the volunteer badge and remain on that of the Irish Defence Forces as successors to the volunteers. On the 2nd of April 1926, Fianna Fáil was chosen as the name of Eamon de Valera's new political party. O'Rin's version appeared in a 1927 volume of poetry with a foreword by de Valera. Since the Irish version of the anthem became popular in the 1930s, there's been intermittent resentment of the party's name occurring in it. Publishers Brown and Nolan printed a version in 1938 substituting Shana Lakra Fall for Shana Fianna Fall, which is occasionally heard instead. T.D. Maureen O'Sullivan likewise favoured changing to Lakra Fall. In the Dáil in 2011 and 2012, she asked the Minister for Finance, Michael Noonan, whether Shana Fianna Fall was appropriate and correct or had party political connotations. Noonan stated that it was appropriate and had no such connotations given that the translation predated the party's founding. The 2018 Shannon report on the anthem took the same view. Michal O'Sullivan said that the Irish lyrics sound worse than the English ones, which rhyme and are so much easier to learn. Ulster Unionists regard the anthem as specific to the Republic of Ireland and not symbolic of the whole Ireland of Ireland. Again, the symbolism of flags in Northern Ireland raises similar issues. In 1933, the Unionist government invoked its Special Powers Act to ban public display of the tricolour when representing the Irish Republican Army, an Irish Republic or any unlawful association. The order was interpreted as a ban in all circumstances unless flown explicitly to represent the Free State. Similar orders specifically banning the Soldier Song were drafted before the 1935 Westminster and 1938 Stormont elections but the government felt that they were too controversial to implement. A general order against music likely to lead to a breach of the peace was often invoked when the soldier's song was played. After the Northern Ireland peace process, when Unionists and Conservatives began attending GAA matches in their official capacity, they arrived after the playing of Elrond Levine, including Sports Minister Edwin Poots in 2008, First Minister Peter Robinson in 2012, and Northern Ireland Secretary James Brockenshire in 2017. Robinson's successor, Arlene Foster, stood for the anthem in 2018 at the Ulster football final. Gunter Oik's survey of national anthems classifies Elrond Levine under resistance anthems, alongside France's La Marseillaise, Portugal's A Portuguesa and Poland's Poland is not yet lost. The lyrics have been criticised by some commentators for alleged outdatedness, militarism and anti-British sentiment. Others deny such faults or attribute them to a generalisation of national anthems. Richard Parfit remarks in the lyrics that few who sing it really wish to stand amidst cannon's roar against the Saxon foe. Kevin Myers described calls for it to be amended or replaced as seasonal as spring. Similar questions in the doll have been asked frequently by Frank McDermott in 1932, Noel Lamas in 73 and Trevor Sargent in 1993. Derek McDowell raised it in 1995 and John Brown in 2000. So it's not uncommon. Commentators on the 1929 Trinity College incident suggested the soldier song would be an impediment to closer ties between the Free State and Northern Ireland. The arts body A.S. Donna rejected, in 1989, a proposal by Alois Feuchtman to campaign for a change of anthem on the basis that it was political rather than artistic question. In 1955, during the Northern Ireland peace process, Taoiseach John Bruton suggested that the Forum for Peace and Reconciliation that the anthem be changed with Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin disagreeing. The Forum drafted an unpublished report on obstacles to reconciliation in the Republic. 
1998 newspaper article summarising the draft claimed that it suggested the government could commission alternative anthems for sporting and other non-official occasions, which were not excessively militaristic. In 1996, Fergus McCann responded to sectarianism in Glasgow by banning Celtic singing Irish rebel songs such as the Soldier Song. Fergus Finlay in 2007 suggested retiring the anthem with honour. A 2017 opinion poll found 84% supported retaining the anthem, while 10% favoured replacing it. Historian Fergal McGarry suggested the fact that the lyrics are no longer sung in English dampens demand for change. He makes the point that public unfamiliarity with Pater Carney's original words has almost certainly extended the song's shelf life as a national anthem. In a debate during the 2011 presidential election, candidates were asked whether the anthem was fit for purpose. Most acknowledged strong public attachment to it. Mark McGuinness and Dana Rosemary Scallon opposed any change. Mary Davis said that it shouldn't consider changing it lightly. And Michael D. Higgins suggested the Constitutional Convention could discuss the matter. Sean Gallagher had mixed views and was open to explore revising it. David Norris said other anthems were more bloodthirsty. Again, the 2018 Shannon report on the anthem recommended no change to the wording. The previous anthem used by Irish nationalists was God Save Ireland, with words written by Timothy Daniel Sullivan in 1867 to the tune of Tramp Tramp Tramp, an American Civil War song written in 1864 by George Frederick Root. God Save Ireland commemorated the Manchester Martyrs executed in 1867 for felony murder for their part in an Irish Republican Brotherhood ambush, and it quickly replaced the previous unofficial anthem, A Nation Once Again, which was written in 1845 by Thomas Davis of the Young Ireland Movement. God Save Ireland was associated with the Irish Parliamentary Party and its eclipsed by the soldier song after 1916 mirrored the party's eclipse by Sinn Féin. The Irish Rugby Football Union, IRFU, and Ireland National Rugby Union team are all Ireland bodies with many unionist supporters. Although Elrond Naveen is played at Ireland matches in the Republic, it's not played anywhere else and unionist players are not expected to sing it. During the Troubles, no anthem was played at matches outside Ireland. In Paris, the last rose of summer was played in 1929 and before a 1931 match, the Department of External Affairs advised Ambassador Gerald O'Kelly de Gala that if the organisers refused to allow the soldier song, then appropriate Irish airs would be St. Patrick's Day, the last rose of summer, or let Aaron remember. At the inaugural Rugby World Cup, Captain Donald Lenehan objected that all other teams would have an anthem. At the last minute before the side's opening match in Athletic Park in Wellington, a James Last cassette recording of the Rosa Tralee was borrowed from Phil Orr. The music and poor recording quality attracted much criticism and no anthem was played for later matches. At the 1991 World Cup, there was no anthem away to Scotland, Ireland's only game outside Dublin. Further on, the IRFU commissioned Phil Coulter to write Ireland's call and I'm not going to go into that too much now because I might visit that in its own episode. Irish show jumping and women's hockey also adopted alternative anthems for similar reasons. The Fields of Athenroy, as mentioned back in episode 1, was widely adopted by Irish sports teams and is almost regarded as the unofficial national anthem. The musical air of a soldier's song is a style comparable with British marches and would be consistent with songs of that era. Colm O'Loughlin said, the tune is not Irish, it sounds to me something between a Sousa march and a German regimental song. According to musicians, apparently it's a difficult song for a singer and is usually sung or played in march time. 
RTE, the Irish National Broadcasting Company, played an orchestral version in a slow tempo at the close of transmission from 1962 onwards. This was produced by Jared Victory and arranged by Brian Boydell, who actually didn't like the tune. The lyrics are consistent of an Irish rebel song, exhorting all Irish people, both Gaels and Men of the Pale, to participate in the struggle and the despot over the slave of the English, the Saxon foe in Ireland, Inish Vale. It alludes to earlier Irish rebellions and to support from Irish Americans, from a land beyond the wave, such as Clan na Ike, who we spoke about a moment ago, attributes the song's rise and popularity to its down-to-earth lines, descriptive imagery, fighting stance and patriotic passion. Slight variations do exist in published versions, with Irish spellings altered to meet the standards of Ancoidon Ifigil, though the original Munster Irish spellings are still in common use. So it's safe to say that Ireland's national anthem, Auron Naveen, or a soldier song, has such a deep and controversial history. Hopefully I've helped shine a glimmer of light on some of it, but I think, by and large, Auron Naveen is loved by anyone with any affiliation to Ireland. So to end out a longer than usual episode of the Songs and Stories podcast, here's Elrond Naveen. I decided to add a full version of Elrond Naveen, as that's what the podcast is about, Elrond Naveen as a song, but it's probably a different, not to everyone's liking version, but this was more so to show that Elrond Naveen did start its life as a normal song. Fade with space. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.